communities to pieces. Then, like the rest of the world, I had an awful sense of déjà vu when Hurricane Katrina drowned New Orleans and a large section of the American Gulf Coast in August 2005. When I asked myself to whom the present book should be dedicated, I could think of no better answer than to honour the memory of those who died in those two disasters and the subsequent earthquake in Pakistan and Kashmir, along with the victims of September the 11th, 2001. They are a reminder that the problem of evil is not something we shall solve in the present world, and that our primary task is not so much to give answers to impossible philosophical questions as to bring signs of God's new world to birth on the basis of Jesus' death and in the power of His Spirit, even in the midst of the present evil age. N.T. Wright Auckland Castle. Chapter 1. Evil is still a four-letter word. The new problem of evil. Introduction. In the new heaven and new earth, according to Revelation 21, there will be no more sea. Many people feel disappointed by this. Looking at the sea, sailing on it, and swimming in it are perennial delights, at least for those who don't have to make a living by negotiating its treacherous habits and untimely bad moods. As myself a regular looker and occasional swimmer, I share this sense of surprise and disappointment. But within a larger biblical world view we can begin to make sense of it. The sea is, of course, part of the original creation. Indeed, it appears earlier in Genesis 1 than the dry land, and both the land and then the animals come out of it. It is part of the world of which God says, at the end of the six days, that it is very good. But already by Genesis 6, with the story of Noah, the rising waters of the flood pose a threat to the entire world which God has made, from which Noah and his floating zoo are rescued by the warnings of God's grace. From within the good creation itself, it seems, come forces of chaos harnessed to enact God's judgment. We then hear no more of the sea until we find Moses and the Israelites standing in front of it, chased by the Egyptians and at their wits' end. God makes a way through the sea to rescue his people and once more to judge the pagan world. It is the same story in a way, though now in a new mode. And as later Israelite poets look back on this decisive, formative moment in the story of God's people, they celebrate it in terms of the old Canaanite creation myths. Yahweh is king over the flood, Psalm 29, 10. When the floods lift up their voices, Yahweh on high is mightier than they are, Psalm 93, 3 forward. The waters saw Yahweh and were afraid and they went backwards. Psalms 77, 16, 114, 3, and 5. Yahweh is the biblical name of the God of Israel. Thus, when the psalmist describes his despair in terms of being up to his neck in deep waters, as in Psalm 69, this is held within a context where Yahweh is already known as the one who rules the raging of the sea, and even makes it praise him. 69, 1, and 34. But then, in a passage of enormous influence on early Christianity, we find in the vision of Daniel 7 that the monsters who make war upon the saints of the Most High come up out of the sea. The sea has become the dark, fearsome, threatening place from which evil emerges, 
threatening God's people like a giant tidal wave threatening those who live near the coast. For the people of ancient Israel, who were not for the most part seafarers, the sea came to represent evil and chaos, the dark power that might do to God's people what the flood had done to the whole world, unless God rescued them as he rescued Noah. It may be, indeed, though this might take us too far off our track, that one of the reasons we love the sea is because, like watching a horror movie, we can observe its enormous power and relentless energy from a safe distance. Alternatively, if we go sailing or swimming on it, we can use its energy without being engulfed by it. I suspect there are plenty of PhD theses already written on what's going on psychologically when we do this, and I haven't read them. We would, of course, find our delight turning quickly to horror if, as we stood watching the waves crash in, a tsunami were suddenly to appear and come crashing down on us, just as our thrill at watching a gang.